My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We're really glad that you're here with us um, this morning, especially if you're a guest. Uh, thank you for coming. We're honored that you would uh, attend um, service uh, alongside of us this morning. We're continuing on in our series where we're kind of jumping around a little bit in the book of Proverbs for the rest of the summer and looking at a few topics that um, the Proverbs spend a lot of time covering. So today we're going to jump back into Proverbs and we'll be here for oh the next four weeks, I believe, and then we'll uh, shift gears again after that. Uh, this morning, as far as texts, I'm going to be all over Proverbs, okay? So if you want to try to keep track, you can. Good luck with that in your own Bible. Um, all the verses will be on the screen, though. So um, if you can't kind of keep up, I encourage you just to, just to uh, lean on the screens. Um, but I also encourage you, if you're a note taker, uh, if I'm going fast through these, just put the reference and then come back later and read them. Uh, we're, when we're doing something kind of topical like this through a book, um, there's a lot of jumping around, especially um, with what we're talking about this morning, because Proverbs spends a lot of time on this. Um, let's start. Proverbs 10, 11 through 14. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. In Proverbs 18, verse 4, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. And then jumping to verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, this morning I ask as we look at your word to help us. I pray we would approach this topic with um, some humility with some just um, honesty with ourselves, knowing that more than likely everyone in this room needs to hear these words, needs to reflect on this idea, and be honest with ourselves, and allow, please allow us to put ourselves under the scriptures and to allow your words and the authority of the scriptures to change us, to help us, to lead us um, into um, living and honoring you um, with our tongues with our mouths help us lord it's in your son's name we pray amen words have the power to bless but words also have the power to destroy to curse you have speeches like martin luther king jr's speeches where the words bring life and hope and change in a good way and you have Speeches and writings like Hitler's Mein Kampf that led to hundreds of thousands of millions of people's lives being ended and destroyed. You have people who um, probably spoke, maybe even your own life, you remember people who can speak life over you at certain times in your life and it changes who you are. 
It changes your trajectory. It changes maybe uh, light bulbs went off and you finally felt like you could, you could accomplish this or accomplish that. But you also have people who choose to end their lives, choose to commit suicide as a result of words, hateful, mean-spirited words that people say. They may not even be face-to-face. Maybe that those words come through something online or social media. People choose to end their lives. So words have the power to bless or the power to curse. And I, I think you would agree with me, and it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus in here or not. If you're not welcome, we're really glad that you're here. And hopefully as we look at the book of Proverbs, you will glean something from this. Because I think you would um, have to admit that our words are important. They're powerful, but oftentimes I, don't think, I think we forget that. Because we use so many words, we talk so much, that we, 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 we interact on social media, we email, all these things that we forget the power that our words have to either curse, to destroy, or to bless. Listen to this quote by Ray Ortland. He says this, Much of the strife in our families and offices and dorms and churches and nations is because of foolish words. But we often underestimate the importance of our words. Adultery, for example, is perceived in most Bible-believing churches as serious sin, and it is. But I've never seen adultery send a whole church into meltdown. Gossip, by contrast, is often perceived as a little sin, but it destroys churches. Gary Chapman, in his book, um, Love as a Way of Life, uses this vivid metaphor, and I really like it, for, for words being either bullets or seeds. Yet that words can either destroy, harm, maim, or they're seeds that germinate and bring life and bring hope and bring something good out of um, the words that were spoken. And we know that words are fundamental to our existence. Those of us who are parents in the room know that you, you get so excited when, you're, when your kids start start making sounds, and they start making words that you understand, and they, they, they say the words the right way, and they put sentences together, and then about three or four, you wish they kind of stopped talking, right? You're like, okay, that's enough, right? Well, that, that was great when it was one or two, but now the words that come out of their mouths the older they get may not always be as cute as they get older, but words are fundamental to our lives. So as we dig into this, this, this topic, this idea of words and, and the wisdom of using our words wisely and the wisdom of how we use our tongues, I want to review a little bit and talk about really what Proverbs are. What, what is a proverb? And we defined it in the last couple of weeks. of a, It's a short saying of practical truth that's easy to remember. That's what makes it a proverb, right? They're easy to remember. They're, it's practical. It's easy to grab onto. Another pastor says, kind of describes it like this, it's, it's skillful application of the fear of the Lord. And we've seen that statement, fear of the Lord, come up in two different places already as we've looked at Proverbs. So here's kind of the, the outline we're going to go into today to look at this topic of, of communication in words. Number, first, the importance of words. Second, the power of words. Third, how do we use our words in everyday life? Like, what does this look like on the ground as we walk through different situations? And then lastly, we're going to look at how we become the kind of people that use our words well. That's because these aren't things, these aren't just a list of things that we need to be good at, Proverbs aren't. These are things that we want to embody. 
We want to, over time, become the kind of people that use wisdom as we use our words. Okay, so number one, the importance of words. Um, We have a talking God. Right? It says he spoke. He spoke the world, the, the world into existence. Everything we see, he, he spoke it into. He used words to create. Jesus came as the word made flesh. And he came preaching and teaching and speaking with his lips. Much of what we have in the Gospels is him talking. Hebrews 1, um, 1 and 2 says this. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken, there it is again, to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Romans says we are saved, we have faith through the hearing of the word. Uh, More than 90 times in the book of Proverbs, um, this topic is addressed. And that's more than any other topic in Proverbs other than wisdom in itself, which is not... Um, surprising that this is the book of wisdom, but outside of wisdom, how we use our words, how we communicate is the most most, uh, popular or covered thing in this book. Animals don't talk. Um, I I said that this week, and I read that, but then I'm like, somebody else said, well, what about a parrot, right? So maybe, don't don't get mad at me, because I guess parrots can repeat what we have to say. Maybe dolphins have a language, but for the most part, we are set apart by God to use words, to communicate. We're, We're different than other animals, and we are meant to talk to one another face to face. This is why technology and the direction things are moving can be a little dangerous, right? Because a lot of this stuff is replacing face-to-face communication. Studies show that over, people speak over 700 times a day. Think about that. That's not just words. That's the, the amount of times you actually open your mouth to begin saying something. 700 times a day. The average person. Some are much more than that. Um, some of y'all laughed about that. Was that like spouse or like elbowing that's yeah that's you you're like 1400 or whatever you're double that um listen to romans 3 and this is this is in romans where paul's unpacking sin and the nature of sin and and some examples of sin um he says this listen to the the references to our our words verse 13 their throat is an open grave they use their tongues to deceive the venom of asps is under their lips Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. So even as we talk about sin in general, much of that has to do with the way we use our words, how we communicate. Words are important. Now, power of words. Power of words. Um, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. Yeah, right. Like any person who's lived through junior high yeah, let's talk about that, right? Like, that's ridiculous. That's a silly, untruthful statement. Words hurt. They can hurt. They can wound. Listen to Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. That second line there, he's saying that those who love either death or life will continue to eat its fruits. Right, so there's something about whether it's death or life, it kind of perpetuates itself into more. You'll eat that fruit or this fruit, depending on whether your words bring death or life. And words don't have to be intentional to be deadly. We all know this from experience. We can accidentally or unintentionally or just be careless with our words 
and that can bring hurt and wounds. People are getting fired over words today. Wars are started over words. It is a matter of life and death. So words can lead to physical death, physical harm, but words also lead to emotional pain, emotional death in our souls, deep, deep down. Listen to Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. That vivid imagery there. Like, go ahead and let your minds go there. Like you, we've seen like movies, right? The thrusting of sword in a, in a fight. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's like a person with words, especially harmful words, is like a, like a ninja in a movie, right? Just cutting up people down to the core, down to the bone. Emotions into your soul. That's the power of words. It's piercing deep, deep down for good and for evil. And we know with words, once it's out there, you can't take it back like a sore wound, right? It may heal. You may, it may get fixed over time. But the, wounds, the wound never goes away from a word spoken to someone else. We have to remember that when we use our words. Uh, words can also bring life for the better. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. So he's saying here that the power of words can even, in some cases, overcome anxiety. Each other's worry. We can minister to other in this way. Some of us all probably remember a story of, of that person. Let your minds go here a little bit. Of that person who said um, really good words to you at one time in your life. Maybe it was mom or dad. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a, a, a really good friend, brother or sister. And they said something to you at a certain time in your life that you needed to hear it, and it changed you. Just the power that they've been saying, just, just words, right? just letters and syllables put together, they say it to you, and boom, like your life is changed moving forward. That's the power of words. And we see even in the Old Testament, in, in, the, uh, in 2, 2 Kings chapter 5, um, if you're a, a Jesus storybook person, this is the story of Naaman, right? And Naaman's this, this, this general, this captain in the, in the Syrian army, and he gets leprosy. He's a big wig, right? He's a big deal. He gets leprosy, and um, he needs help. And in his household, there's a, there's a slave girl, an Israelite, who they, who they have captured when they overtook Israel. And she says, hey, by the way, in my old land, there's a prophet who could heal that. And then it, it, everything changes, right? Just her words, this, 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 this insignificant girl, God uses her words to, to change the course of Naaman's life. The Naaman goes to Israel, finds a prophet. He gets healed through words making him well. Jesus, um, when he's talking to his disciples, asking, who do you say that I am? And they say, where, where would we go? We're going to follow you because you have the words of life. Parents' words can wound. Many of you know that from experience. They can wound or they can bring healing. Powerful. Parents, if you didn't know that already, your words are extremely powerful. Extremely powerful. We want to use healing words and not wounding words. Words have power. Next, we're going to look at how do we have wisdom with words in our everyday life. This is kind of the third, the third point here. Okay, this is where I want to get practical. There's a lot of areas that we could look at. I'm just going to look at four. Four quick areas here. Um, 
And this is where you got to kind of keep up with me, but the, the big, think of the big categories here as we walk through this. First, our words need to be truthful. They need to be truthful as a result of being uh, filled with flattery or gossip. Proverbs 15, 7 says this, the, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. That idea of spread, there's like a fire, right? Like, it, like they just, it's, 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 it's powerful in how they spread in the amount of, of, of ground that covers Proverbs 10, 11 through 12. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Okay? We need to be truthful as we speak. And we are all guilty of, we're all prone to being deceivers. All of us, like, are prone to Stretch the truth. Little white lies. We want to lie or embellish to make ourselves look better or not look as bad. We are prone to this. But God is the source of truth. Therefore, we should be truth tellers. Proverbs 26, 22. Listen to how the, the words of someone coming to you, right? They, this person's coming to you. The words of a whisperer, this is not a good thing, are like delicious morsels. When you hear it, it tickles your ears. It tastes good. They go down to the inner parts of the body. They, have this, they taste good, and they work themselves deep down into who we are. This is where gossip becomes so deadly. Whether you're the person speaking gossip or the one receiving gossip. Gossip takes two parties, the giver and the listener, right? Why do we do this, right? Why do we love why, do, why, do we, why are we so prone to gossip? Why are we so prone to wanting to hear the scoop? Wanting to hear that thing that maybe, maybe not many other people know. When you hear something somebody else has to say. This kind of would also fit, the why here fits with a little bit of conspiracy theories, right? Like all of us have this desire to want to be on the inner circle. We want to be in the inner ring. We want to be one of the first to know what's happening. That secret stuff kind of that goes around. There's something inside of us that likes that. It's so wicked, so evil. In the world of kind of counseling, it, it, this is called triangulation. When you come to a person and talk about someone else, you've just brought that, third, you brought that person who's an innocent bystander into the triangle. And that's wicked. This is gossiping when we do that. One commentator describes this being a garbage collector. You don't want to be the kind of person who becomes a garbage collector, where people who are gossipers want to come to you because you'll listen passively and just, and just nod your head. You're, you're the garbage. You're collecting all of the garbage, and it's damaging. Okay. Ray Orland's quote at the beginning, this is how gossip can ruin churches. Talking behind people's back can split churches. So how do we handle gossip? How do we do this, right? Well, if it's, um, if it's something maybe that doesn't involve another person, right? They come to you and they share something. Maybe you say, well, where, where, where did you get that? Like before we really go down that road, let's talk about kind of the sources, right? Like where's that coming from? Where did you read that? Who told you that? Let's, let's wrestle with this together to make sure this is truth, right? We want to be people of the truth. Maybe someone comes to you talking about another person. And this is 
sometimes uncomfortable, always uncomfortable to do in the moment. Much better long-term, you kind of say, hey, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what, the, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about them and they're not here. What if we, I think it'd be better for everyone if the, the, I'll go with you, but we can go to that person and I'll be there with you and we can sit down and talk and they'll get to hear from you, which is always really good. And you'll kind of get this stuff off your chest, which is good for you. And I'll be there well as well to kind of navigate things. Let's, let's go do that. But I don't think we should. It's not really doing anybody any good for you just to, to be talking about them when they're not here, right? That's how you deflect gossip. That's how you shut it down. Right? Probably the next time that person, if they have um, wicked intentions in their heart, they're not going to come to you. You're not going to be known as a garbage collector because you held them accountable to go talk to the other person in that moment. But if people are really struggling and want to know how to like be, to, to, to have peace and patch things up, you're going to become the, the peacemaker. You're going to become the kind of person who, they, who people come to say, hey, I, 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 me and so-and-so are really, we're at each other here. Can you help us? Can you help us work this out? Listen to Proverbs 20, 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Don't listen to it. Don't associate with it. Flee it. Address it in the spot. Don't let gossip spread. The listener and the one who allows it to go is just as worse um, in, the long run, in the long term, especially in the areas of church, as the one who's actually speaking it. We also shouldn't be full of flattery, right? Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. I think one of the things we should ask ourselves is, what, is what I'm saying accurate? This goes good for um, posting on social media, right? Like retweeting something. Is what I'm about to say accurate? I want to be a person of the truth. I want to live in reality. What is, is this accurate? Am I using words of flattery here? What is, what we, or is what we are saying, what we are putting out there, accurate? We want to be people that promote the truth, right, of the word, but we also want to be people who live in reality and be good witnesses in that way. So that, we want to be truth tellers. That's the first. Second, we want to use words as tools to bless and build up. Listen to Proverbs 31.8. Open your mouth for the mute, for the, for the rights of all who are destitute. So just saying, open your mouth for the marginalized, for those who don't have a voice, for those who can't use words, the words don't have power, speak. Words are to be used as weapons for righteousness. Weapons to stand with people who can't speak up. The mute here is obviously the physically mute, but it's saying mute in the sense of, of, of people whose voices aren't heard and who are marginalized. They should also use words be used as blessing in, the, in, in terms of community. Right? We need to speak words probably more often than we, we've done. We say it a lot here, but no one's ever, it's never bad to, to, to encourage someone. No one ever gets tired of encouragement. There's no quota, there's no ceiling on the amount of encouraging words God wants you to use. You can use them all the time, anytime. Yeah, just don't be creepy about it, right? Maybe that's the one caveat. But use encouraging words. Maybe not in the middle of the night, right? But use encouraging words. Sometimes our faith gets, it just gets weak. We doubt. We go through difficult seasons. We need to borrow other people's faith, in a sense, with their words and say, yes, I can get through this. Like, I don't believe that right now, but I can tell you believe it right now. I want some of that. I'm going to trust in your words, and it's going to get me through difficult times. 
And maybe you're going to get to do the same to others one day as well. We need each other. We need to speak blessings over one another in the church. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion. That's an important context uh, idea there. That it may give grace to those who hear. Okay, now listen, with all this stuff, we're going to fail. We're going to mess up. We need to be people also who are quick to apologize. We need to be quick to, to, to say, hey, you know what? I, I don't get this right all the time, and I'm sorry for saying this, the way this came out, or not saying something when I should have said something, or not standing up for you when I should have stood up for you. Like, we need to be people who freely apologize. Again, those are words, right? We use, we use words when we apologize. That's another way we use our words. Next, um, kind of subheading, how am I speaking? How am I speaking? Like, the manner in which I go about it. Um, and this has a lot to do with tone. A- a- am I being thoughtful or am I being reactionary? Listen to Proverbs twenty-five, fifteen. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue yet will break a bone. So when you go into a conversation, you need to be aware of how you are going about saying these things. Are you allowing your emotions to get the best of you? Or are you, are you kind of taking a step back reflecting, being thoughtful in what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. In, in, in marriage, at least for us, this is one of our, our struggles for Nicole and I, right? Like, I'm not great with my tone sometimes. I, I worry a lot about what I say, but not how I say it. And it gets us in trouble when we, con- when, when we have fights, when we, when we conflict. When we go back and trace what was said, that's not the issue. It's how. And we know how we say things is as important or even more important in what we actually say, okay? Listen to Proverbs 16, 21. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Now, being gentle, being sweet, doesn't mean um, to be agreeable. It's not what this is saying. But he's saying if we disagree, it should be done with gentleness and respect, you think about it. When you, you want to like take someone down, when you want to like get in the ring and tear down their ideas and you want to win, this is saying how you win, how you are persuasive is by being gentle, is by being ref- reflective, is by being nuanced, is by being um, kind, considerate, respectful. It's not running in with guns blazing. That Proverbs is saying it's not wise to do that. If you want to persuade someone to your way, your opinion, again, it's not agreeable, but if you want to persuade, you need to do be it with gentleness, even when the other person is not. So this isn't, this is, this is uh, not, hey, if they, if they go in guns blazing, you could come up guns blazing. No, it's not an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth in communication. It's we listen, we reflect, we don't react, and we speak with gentleness. Truth, not agreeable, but with gentleness. Again, Ephesians 4.29, I'll read it again. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up, as fits the occasion. Again, we've got to know the context, that it may give grace to those who hear. Another thing under this kind of, um, this idea of tone and, and how we do it, number of words, right? How, how we speak. And this is just a good general proverb I thought was good. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Those of you who are <clears throat> talkers, like myself, we call it external processing, right? Um, be careful, right? The general 
thing is be careful with many words. If you're going to err on one side, err on side with less words and more thinking rather than less thinking and more words, right? Some of us don't need to hear that. Some of us probably maybe need to speak more words. But some of us, me included, need to hear, we need to think. We need to not process so quick, okay? The last section is context. Listen to Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. I think this is, this is, these two things contradict themselves, but I think there's a point here. Verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Okay, I got it. I got it, wise sage. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Wait a minute. You just told me not to answer the fool. Now you're telling me to answer the fool. What do I do? Well, I think this is good because in real life, we're not always going to know how to react. We're not always going to know the playbook for every conversation. So sometimes you just have to discern. You have to pray. You have to listen. You have to not react and think through how to respond. Slow to speak, quick to listen, James would tell us, right? We need to think about, and a lot of this just comes with experience, right? This is why older people, especially people older in their faith who've been doing this a while, this, they're good people in these situations, right? Because they've probably encountered a situation like this before where it feels like you're, uh, you're stuck, Either way, you're, you're, you, don't, you don't really know what to do. You don't want to know what to say. Well, you have to discern. You have to just trust and maybe take a leap of faith there in that situation and then learn for next time. Along with context, another thing is our, our medium, the way we communicate. We could spend a whole sermon on this. We probably should. But face-to-face conversation is different than writing a letter, right? And writing a letter is different than writing an email. And writing an email is different than interacting on social media. Right? That we have to understand this, this how to communicate well in this new world we live in. Listen to 2 John verse 12. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. So John here, follower of Jesus, is saying, you know what? I, I don't, the only other way to talk then, right, was writing a letter. And he's like, man, I don't like this. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. So we should be the kind of people who are always fighting for face-to-face communication. When at all possible, always choose face-to-face over any other form of communication. Let's not be lazy. Let's, let's put the work in. Sometimes that's not possible. I get it. But we should always see if it is possible. We should try it. Um, another thing along these lines, wisdom idea. We, we, we shouldn't be the kind of people that feel like we can say things online that we wouldn't say to a person in person, right? So if you're going to post something online and you wouldn't say that to the person face-to-face, why are we saying it? It's communication. It's the same, right? We're communicating something. They're going to receive it the same way as they would face-to-face probably. So why are we posting things that we wouldn't say to the person in, in person? I think we feel emboldened. We feel more confident behind a keyboard than, after, after, than having to talk to someone face-to-face. Let's think about this. When we're addressing someone online, we're talking to someone online, we are talking to image bearers of God that have souls. Image bearers. Who one tweet, one post could ruin their life. Could drive them to the point of despair. We've seen it. You've heard the stories. We need to be careful what we post. And if you have any questions about it, any questions about liking something, retweeting, posting, just pick up the phone and call that person. If you don't have their number, 
It's probably not even worth spending the energy posting about them in the first place if you actually don't know them well enough that you have their number in your phone, right? Pick up the phone, call them, talk to them face-to-face without this world, this audience watching you um, interact on social media. Last thing, how do we become the kind of people who are wise with our words, right? So this, we, it, this is not just something that we do. It's something who we want to be. We want to be the kind of people who use use wisdom with our words. We don't just want to use wise words. We want to kind of become that person. We want to embody the the kind of person that uses words wise. Two ways, there's probably more, but two ways to kind of um, talk through this. One is we need to study. We need to um, be aware where we get our wisdom from, what's shaping us. Uh, Be aware of the things that we take into our minds. The things that are, are the things that we're, we're consuming it with our minds, are they forming us more into the image of Jesus or are they deforming us away from what it looks like to follow Jesus, what, it, what Jesus looks like? We should, that, that's a way that we become these kind of peoples, right? To intake the kind of things we want to be able to say and the kind of people we want to be. Listen to Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. So there's a pondering. But there's a thinking about how to answer people. But the mouth of the wicked person just pours out evil things, right? Just pours it out. We need to think. We need to reflect. Um, The second thing, so we need to study. We need to be aware. Second, we need to understand that transformation happens in our minds as well as our hearts. Now, this isn't just an intellectual thing. Listen to Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Matthew 12, 34, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to become the kind of people that speak words of wisdom, encouraging words, words that are blessed, look at your heart. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? Matthew 15, 18 through 19, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, Theft, false witness, there's a, word, there's a communication. Uh, slander is another form of communication. Okay? We want to become the kind of people who are reflective, who ask, why, why do I want to say this to that person right now? Maybe if you don't say it. Why do I really feel tempted to, to, to fire this message off or this text off to them? Why do I want to like murder them in my heart right now? Like, what's behind that? Because our words are coming out of our heart. They're coming out of our heart. Um, sorry about that. Um, so two ways to hear this, right? You, as you're listening, there's, 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 there's actually three ways. Two ways to not hear this and a third way. First way is to, to, to think, I'm just going to do this better. I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to do better on this. You're going to fail. You will fail. So what are you going to do when you fail? It's not a good way to listen to this, okay? It's not a good way. Second way to, do th- to listen to this is um, just beat yourself up. I'm so foolish, you, you're overthinking everything. I said this to that person. That's probably why they're mad at me. I said this. I can't, believe I, I can't believe I sent that email. And you're just beating yourself up right now. Stop it. That's not what this is to be about, to not beat yourself up and, and th- heap more shame upon yourself if that's what you're feeling. The third way, it's not surprising, is the gospel. The gospel humbles us to say we can't do this on our own. We will fail. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. Nothing there meaning spiritually, have spiritual fruit, good spiritual fruit. You can do nothing apart from me. 
It requires humility on our part, trusting in the gospel to help us in this. Proverbs is a great window because it shows us where we fall short. This morning, I've felt all week how I've fallen short in areas of communication with my words. Maybe you have, you're feeling that right now. Let that drive you to Jesus. Let that be a mirror to show you, yeah, I still still need help. I still need this. We talk a lot about freedom here at our church, being free. And the first step of freedom is knowing you're, you're, you're a mess up. Knowing that you're not good enough to save yourself. Like you don't come into this place and think that you're perfect. If you think that, there is ze- there's no freedom in your life. I don't know how to help you if you don't come into this place saying, I need help. I'm a sinner in need of grace. That is the way to freedom. Allow the Proverbs to do this. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24. Listen to the word language here. For to this... You have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So Christ is our example. Good news. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Right? Again, with his words. Um, Verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting to himself who judges justly. Trusted the sovereignty of God in the moment when all of us would have failed, all of us would have reviled, all of us would have condemned the people hurting us, but Jesus chose not to. He is our example. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He took our sins. He paid for it. All our junk, he took that to the cross with him. And it says that, or so that, there's a purpose behind this, that we might die to sin, sin of words, sin of gossip, sin of slander, sin of hate, and live to righteousness. Words being a blessing, standing up for the marginalized, looking for ways to encourage people. By his wounds you have been healed. You see the connection between the gospel and how we use our words here? This is what we have to see this morning. We have to see how the gospel and our identity in Jesus is connected to how we use our words. This is where the power comes from. This is how we be the type of people over a lot, not just this week. You can, you can grind it out for this week and try not to say, any, say anything negative with your mouth. You may, you may get there in a, for a week. Great. How are you going to do this for the next 20, 30, 40, 70 years? It's to become the kind of person through the power of the gospel who uses words wisely. I'm going to close with this. When One of the most powerful scenes in all the scriptures, there's words involved. You remember when Jesus... He is going to be baptized. He goes under the water, comes out of the water. Remember what was said? The father says to his son, for everyone in the immediate vicinity to hear, it appears, this is my son. There's that familial identity said, this is my son. I'm his father. This is, this is think, think of those of you who are parents, like the, with as much pride as you can possibly muster, this is my son. There's, this is my daughter. I'm proud of him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I'm pleased with him. I love him. He hasn't done anything yet, right? Jesus has, done not, Jesus has not started his public ministry at this point. And yet God is saying, because you're my son, I am pleased with you. I love you. I care about you. And he says it for everyone to hear, right? So he, everyone else is hearing God say this about his son. 
Are we listening to the words that God speaks over us as a result of Jesus? Do you hear, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I accept you. I approve of you. You're mine. Are you hearing those words from the Father the same way he spoke over Jesus? Because you should. If you are in Christ, if you have faith in him, you should hear those words. You need to listen to those words rather than listening to all the other words you're listening to maybe. And that is the place where you need to be to actually then pass on these words. Now you can become the agent. You can become the vehicle to speak those words over other people. Maybe your own children. Maybe people in your missional community. Maybe people who are going through really difficulties right now. Difficulties right now. Remember the gospel. And remember the words that God is speaking over you as a result of the work of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful. Um, we, we love in your, in your sovereignty and your providence in this book of Proverbs that something that we, we use all the time, words, 700 times a day we open our mouth to say things, studies say. And yet in your wisdom, this is something you talk more about than anything else in the book of Proverbs. We're thankful for that. I pray we would spend more time meditating and thinking about the, the, the truth and the instruction that you give us in Proverbs and how that can over a long period of time bring us life and shape our character and form us into the image of Jesus. But we need help. We need, we need Jesus' example. But we also need the empowerment that comes to the Holy Spirit, which causes us to remain in him because apart from him, we can do nothing. So help us. Pray that your spirit would help us remain in him and, and, and bring these things to mind when we forget. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.